Our message tonight is out of the book of Malachi, chapter 3, the book of remembrance. And now we're right here at the high holy day time of year, Rosh Hashanah, and this chapter goes right along with this, the theme of the high holy days of Rosh Hashanah, the last day events. Starting in verse 13, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord, yet you say, what have we spoken against you? And as we've seen throughout the book of Malachi, he has this uh, God having the conversation with the people and saying, your words have been harsh against me, you haven't shown me love, I've been good to you, I've loved you, you haven't shown me love, and then he has the people respond back, yet you say, what have we spoken against you? Right? There's this, we're totally ignorant. Well, have we robbed you? How have we not loved you? How have we? And so he continually goes back and forth on that. Um, and again, we've seen that in the past sermons. Um, and so here again, keeping with that, uh, in the book of Malachi, the style of writing that he was inspired to do. So he's saying, you've been harsh in your words. We say, what, what did we speak wrong? You have said, it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinances and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed, for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. Have you ever felt that way? I've been serving you, God. I've been working. I've been serving. I've done this. I've done that. I've left the world. I've left all these things. And here I'm not getting ahead. I didn't get the promotion. I didn't get the raise. I didn't get the job. I didn't get the boyfriend. I didn't get the girl. I didn't get what I thought I was going to get by serving you. Where's the promises? How come the promises that you've given aren't being fulfilled in my life? I've given and I haven't gotten back. Where's the press down flowing over that, that you promised to me? And yet I look across the street. I look at my neighbor. I look at uh, some relative who's not serving you, living proudly and rebelliously against you and even blaspheming you and they're prospering they're rich they've got what they want they're out boating they're going to the theater they're going to the games they're going and doing all these things they seem so happy they got nice children and everything seems to be going great they seem to be blessed right we see that sometimes and so that's their argument that's their their beef with God. But God says, you're being harsh against me by saying those very things. And so all that times, that is the reality on this world, on the surface, that we see. But it's not the real reality. And when we're tempted to feel that way, and when we're tempted to say these type of things, we see a little bit here in their wording either. Also, it's useless to serve you. Uh, what profit have we? We've kept your ordinances. We've walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts. There's a big we there, right? We have kept your ordinances. We have walked as mourners before you. As if serving God is drudgery. But the Bible says that God's commandments are not grievous. Right? His ways are not burdensome. He says, come on to me, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Not burdens. Right? So the commandments are not burdensome. Following God is not burdensome. They are a privilege. They are a blessing to those that God has given it to. And the big key is here they are serving out of God's strength. And when it seems hard that we're mourners and that we're having to keep and do and we can't do this and we can't do that, 
Right? It's not about what we can't do and can't do. Right? Some people say, oh, you, you, you can't eat pig. Right? You can't eat this dead flesh of a, of a swine. Uh, no, it's not that I can't. I don't want to. Right? It's like the, the guy who goes to the doctor, and, and the doctor says, you can eat anything you want to eat. And here's a list of all the things you're going to want to eat. Right? So God gives us the list of things that we're going to want to eat when we're filled with his spirit, when we're filled with his mind, when we're filled with his character. But when we look at his do's and don'ts, when we look at his things that we have to do, a burden that we have to carry, then that means we're trying to do it in our own strength. And that's horrible. It's a miserable experience trying to follow God. We've left all the so-called pleasures of the carnal nature. The carnal nature desires those things, the addictions that the body just wants more and more, the lust of the flesh, the, the pornography, the, 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 the unclean foods, the, the sweet things, the, the, the pleasures of this world, the entertainment, the folly, the foolishness of this world. Oh, the, the carnal nature loves that stuff because it's carnal and it's empty and it's frivolity. It's, uh, it's vanity and the selfish heart loves vanity. It loves being seen. It loves uh, pleasing self. But in the end, it's emptiness. In the end, it doesn't go anywhere. That's why it's addictive. That's why you have to always have more. And that's why not only more, but higher levels of the same thing more and more. And more intensity of it. Uh, because it's never fully satisfying. Never fully pleasurable. It never really um, feeds the soul. The hunger will thirst and continue to thirst when we come to him and drink from the Lord. We receive springs of water that well up continually in our lives. And so here they're trying to keep it in their own strength. And that's like pushing a motorcycle up a hill. Right? We've talked about that, right? It's misery, right? You can see someone pushing it more they're going. They might get to the top of the hill. They might look like they're making progress. But it's, they're sweating and they're hard. They're miserable. They're, they're miserable doing it. But someone who's on the motorcycle turns the engine on and rides up the hill, they're enjoying the ride. They're smiling all the way. Even though bugs are getting caught in their teeth, they don't care. They're happy. They're enjoying the ride, right? And that's the difference. When we're trying to obey God in our own strength, it's miserable. And then we're constantly looking outside and looking at other places and looking at everyone else. And oh, if I could just have that. And oh, if I just did this. And oh, if I lied some, I'd get that promotion. Or if I stole some, I had some more money. Or if I didn't uh, cheated on my taxes, I'd have more money in my pocket. Or, or if I ripped off that, 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 that sale or, or, or didn't admit this, or, um, I'd have more. And I'd have more fun. Right? Oh, if I didn't... Just modestly, I, I might have more, more boyfriends, I might have more girlfriends, I might have more if I was more outgoing, if I was more open and more free, I'd be able to do more and have more. We're looking in all the wrong places. And when we continually do that, we will be dissatisfied with serving the God of the universe. We'll be, Lucifer was in heaven! And he was dissatisfied. You began looking for something better. Oh, if I was the boss, if I was ruling things, if people were worshiping me, if I got the attention, oh, I'd be so much happier. Do you think he's happy today? He's getting lots of attention. He's got a lot of beings serving him. One-third of the, the heavenly angels are serving him. Most of the world is serving him. Do you think he's happy? I don't think he's happy. <laughs> he's certainly not going to be happy for long, even if he is happy now. 
And in the end, in this world, those that serve self, it's not happiness. Oh, it may look good on TV, all the commercials. Oh, you drive this car, you'll be happy. You drive this car, you'll have a, 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 a date like this person here. No, you, you smoke this. Oh, you'll, you'll dress like this, you'll be pretty like this, you'll do this, you'll look like this. You just have this thing, you just eat this thing. Oh, you'll be so happy. That's not reality. That's Hollywood. Hollywood's a bunch of lies. The whole thing is based on lies. It's actors lying. <laughs> not who they really are. And so Satan prop, uh, uh, sends this propaganda to us to not be content, to not be happy with our lot in life, to not be happy serving God. And all the glitter and all the, that's why they, all, they need all the lights and all the amusements and all the sound, all the distractions to keep us from sitting down and really thinking of important things of life and Love and true friendships and caring and helping and ministering, being content and at peace and at rest and looking forward to eternity. And so this is the attitude that they were at and, they, and God's saying, you're being harsh against me because they're not accepting his promises. And again, they're doing it in their own strength. That's legalism. That's the real definition of legalism. It's trying to obey God in their own strength. Now, in contrast to that, the text goes on in verse 16, says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. So we've got this contrast here. You have, it says, then those who feared the Lord. Well, wait a second, I thought the first guys were those who feared the Lord. Right? It says about them, or said, they said about themselves, we have kept your ordinances. We have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts. Well, doesn't that sound like they're fearing the Lord? Obviously not. Not as far as God's concerned. They're fearing hell, maybe. They're desiring heaven for selfish reasons. They're willing to obey God, but again, not out of right motives. And they're going around as mourners. They're not rejoicing in the Lord always. They're not trusting in his promises. And that's why it's the most miserable state to be in, is serving God in our own power, in our own strength. But those who truly fear the Lord, they're speaking with one another. They're communicating with one another. They're coming together for fellowship. They're hearing the word of God. That's why God's given us the Shabbat. That's why he's given us the command to, to not forsake congregating together. So we can talk to each other. We can encourage one another. And we can hear the word of God. And we can share our problems with one another. That we can be prayed for and prayed with and pray for others and minister to others. Right? It's not all about receiving. It's about giving. It's about helping others as well. And in the middle of the week, coming together, joining together. That's why Satan is working so hard right now and down through the ages to keep people from coming together. He hates that. But those who feared the Lord, they spoke with one another. And the Lord was listening in and heard them. And so what were they speaking? No doubt they were speaking the word of God. They were speaking the promises. Hold on fast. Hold true to him. He will come through. 
reminding them each other of, 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 of times in the past where God has come through. Yeah, maybe we were in Egypt in slavery for 400 years, but God parted the Red Sea and he delivered us and he brought us to the promised land. Right? He does come through. He will come through, encouraging one another. And God listened and he heard, and so he wrote a book of remembrance. And Barbara, that reminds me, can you go and get the books? They're in the back seat. A book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. Truly fearing the Lord, respecting the Lord, a fear of hurting him, a fear of speaking harshly against him, a fear of crucifying him afresh, a fear of letting him down. Not a fear of retribution, but a loving fear, a respectful fear. And meditating on his name, meditating on his character, meditating on his attributes, meditating on who he really is, thinking about him, thinking about how consistent he is down through the ages, thinking about how he has come through on his promises, think about how benevolent he has been in our own personal life and in the lives of others that we've known. The worst thing we have to fear for the future is that we forget how he has led us in the past. It's good to keep a journal of his prayers that he's answered and ways he's blessed you. Meditating on him, praying, spending time with him in prayer and reading his word and meditating on his word and thinking about his word. Letting his fullness be revealed to us in all his different attributes, that he is the creator, that he's the savior, that he is the deliverer, that he's the provider, meditating on all the ways that he is and all the things that he is, his divine character. He writes a book of remembrance. He remembers us. He has not forgotten us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He knows your name. He knows the hair on your head. He knows everything about you. He remembers you. He has engraved you onto the palms of his hands. Oh, a mother might forget her suckling child, but I can never forget you, he says. He remembers you, and he writes your name in his book of remembrance. And one of the things we say on Rosh Hashanah is, Lashana Tova Tikatevu, may you be inscribed in God's book for a good year, that he would remember you in his book for a good year. So he's got this book of remembrance. And and we also say the, the books are open on Rosh Hashanah and they are closed on Yom Kippur. And so the books, the book of remembrance. Then verse 17, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels. I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. He counts this as his jewels. He counts this as his precious possessions. On that day that I make them, right? So often the Bible talks about on that day, that day, that great day, that great and wonderful day of the Lord, dreadful day of the Lord, great and dreadful day of the Lord. That day, referring to often the last day, the ultimate Yom Kippur, the final judgment day. On that day that he makes us his jewels. Right now, again, what we're seeing here on earth is not the real thing. The wicked prospering, ruling the world, ruling these companies. Horrible, horrible, wicked thieves they are. Lying, stealing, manipulating, controlling, abusive, power-hungry, 
abusive. They're ruling the world. They are. Censoring, dictating. And that's what it is here right now. But God sees it all. God knows it all. And he can, he will deal with it all. Here, I'll take it. Yeah, thanks. He will deal with it on that day. He will have the final say. And so he writes us in the book of remembrance, those who fear his name. And again, the contrast, those who are saying, we've been serving you and we have obeyed you and we are mourners. And here these are, that are fearing his name are communicating with each other. They're riding on that motorcycle. They're still obeying God. But they're obeying by his power, by the Holy Spirit filling them and, in, and illuminating them and giving them the strength. Outwardly, might not be able to tell the difference. Both groups, the mourners and complainers, the gossipers, they, they, they may be outwardly obedient, like Paul, uh, obedient. He was obedient, but he was killing believers, right? But oh, he would not swallow a gnat. A young rich man came to Yeshua. What must I do to be into heaven? Yeshua quoted the commandments. He says, I've done all those things. I'm obedient. Outwardly, he's obedient, but he was mournful. He says he went away sorrowful because he wasn't willing to surrender all. He wasn't willing to follow the Lord. He wasn't allow Yeshua to become his Lord. And that's the difference. So outwardly, it might look the same. Two people might look exactly the same in obedience, doing the same thing. One's doing it in their own strength, and they're miserable doing it. Like that first group we saw. And the second group, they're doing it, obeying, but by God's power, by the Holy Spirit, by a transformed heart, by surrendering to the Lord, having self-crucified, and filled with His Spirit, with God's laws, by God's power, written in their hearts and in their minds. Let this mind be in you that was in Yeshua the Messiah. They have the mind of Yeshua put inside them. God's heart, God's desires, the Holy Spirit filling them and compelling them forward and moving them forward in obedience from victory to victory, overcomers in the Lord by his power. And they're joyful. They're like Paul, even though things are tough, even though thrown in prison unjustly, rejoicing in the Lord, singing praises to the Lord. It makes all the difference in the world. And it could be the same in our own life. At one point in our life, we could be serving the Lord joyfully and cheerfully, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we lose our track, we lose our, get our eyes off the Lord, but we're still doing the routine because we've been in the habit of it. And then it becomes drudgery and we're miserable. Kind of like the story that Shayla read to us earlier. Right? Then we get back on track, we can get back on track, get back right with the Lord, confess, we surrender. Refilled with the Holy Spirit and rejoicing in the Lord and the power of His might. And so we get a choice which side we want to be on. There's two sides. And both of these sides are professing to follow the Lord. And that's like the parable Yeshua told of the ten virgins. They're all waiting for the Lord's coming. All last days, they're all there at the last day. They're all waiting. They're all professing to be following Him. And all ten fall asleep but only five have the extra oil of the Holy Spirit. So it's the contrast here in this chapter as well. And then the next verse, verse 18 says, And then you shall again discern 
between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve God. Right? So the two sides. The righteous and the wicked, serving God, not serving God. Right? And that we'll be able to discern, there'll be a discernment between the two. Right? So if there's a discernment between them, uh, distinguishing between one side and the other, the sheep and the goat, the wheat and the tares, the right and the wrong, the true and the false. There's a judgment taking place. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is about. It's about the judgment of God. Final judgment of God. The sifting out and the separating of the groups. And that's exactly what we're seeing in this chapter. And it comes down to those who are truly serving God. And so far in this chapter, these verses we've read, it's just talking about all professed believers. We've served you, we've left the world. We're mournful. We're those that truly fear the Lord and who are communicating with each other and fellowshipping with one another and have their names written in a book of remembrance. So there's this book of remembrance and there's this separating of the righteous and the wicked those who serve God and those who don't serve him. And we're going to see this theme, almost these very same words in some of these other verses we're going to look at. Let's go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. The Ancient of Days was seated. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. So plural books here. So we saw one of the books is the book of remembrance. But there's other books that we'll be talking about tonight. And so the books were opened. And a court is seated. Again, court judgment. And the Ancient of Days is seated. And so he's seated for the court. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. We'll see in a minute who those 10,000 times 10,000 are. But we have here, we have the Ancient of Days seated. We have a courtroom, we have books being opened, and we have those standing before him. And in verse 13, Behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. So one like the Son of Man, who is the Son of Man? Yeshua, exactly. Coming with the clouds of heaven. Sounds like the second coming, right? But it's not as we continue to read on. Because he didn't come to the earth in this verse. It says he came to the ancient of days. And where was the ancient of days? Seated in the courtroom. And they brought him, Yeshua, the son of man, before him, the ancient of days. And we'll... Explain that a little bit more as we continue on. Now let's jump to Revelation. Revelation 20, verse 11. Almost a parallel verse. I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. As we have this phrase, the books were opened. Exactly the same here as we saw in, in Daniel chapter 7. What was it, verse 9? Exactly the same phrase, the books were opened. We have a great white throne in the Daniel 7. It said, is seated in the court. It's a throne room, a great white throne room. 
And him who sat on it, in Daniel 7, it told us, who was sitting on the throne? The Ancient of Days. So we have the Ancient of Days sitting on the throne. And it says, and I saw the dead, small and great. And in Daniel 7, I saw, and standing before God. And in Daniel 7, it said, I saw 10,000 times tens of thousands standing before God. So we have the judgment, the judgment of the dead. The judgment of the dead down through the ages. The Ancient of Days seated on the throne as judge. Name after name of the dead brought before him at his final judgment day. And books being opened of the testimony of the record of our lives, including the book of remembrance. So parallel texts. And going right along again with this theme and this book of remembrance that we saw in Malachi and this righteous, and then you will discern between the righteous and the wicked, between those that serve God and those who do not in the courtroom, on the judgment day. And that's what it all comes down to. So we can see the wicked prospering here now, but a day of judgment is going to come and we're going to see the real behind the scenes, what's really God's final decision. And we'll see what happens. And living for this world does not last. It's all empty. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their belief. The dead were judged according to their faith. The dead were judged according to what congregation they attended. The judge were judged according to where they were born, what nationality they were, what country they were. Now, the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. So the things that are written in the various books are the things which we have done, our works, whether good or bad. And the dead will be judged, all will be judged according to our works. We are saved by faith, but we will be judged by our works. So a person might be able to get into a school by their good looks, or their profession, or their pedigree, or their, their background, or paying the tuition or a lottery, or whatever. But to be able to stay there and graduate, they need to pass the test <laughs> and get the grades. Although even in some schools, I would have no doubt that they pass them along anyway. <laughs> so we're saved by our faith in the Messiah, in what he has done for us. But that faith is tested and proven by whether or not we have allowed him to impact our lives. Whether we've allowed the Holy Spirit to come into us and live out of us in our lives. As James says, faith without works is dead. Right? So faith and works go together. They're in harmony together. They work together. You can't have one without the other. If we truly have faith in the Lord, in his power, in his promises, in his commandments, in him, coming inside us, fulfilling his life in us, coming into our minds, giving us new hearts, then the right actions will come out. 
right? If you put a, I don't know if you have CDs anymore, but if you, if you put a, a, a music CD of, of Beethoven in the, in, in, in the CD player, or your MP3 player, or whatever, you put that in, you push that button, what should come out of the speakers? Beethoven, right, yeah. If you put some rap artists in there, what would come out? <laughs> yeah, right. So what we put in by faith should be lived out. Right? So if we're putting the Holy Spirit in, if we're allowing the Holy Spirit in, then the Holy Spirit will be lived out. And if we're just trying to do it in our own strength and trying to live by our own self, then the grumbling, the complaining, the mourning, we've been mourning and we've been trying and we're miserable and seems like the proud are prospering and how come they got it so good and I don't? Love the complaining. So if we're putting the Holy Spirit in, then good works. That's why we're able to be judged on the works. God can judge us on what is seen, on what is played out. Because if we have true faith, then true good works will come out, will be played out. That was Revelation 20, verse uh, 12. Another place in Revelation, it mentions the Lamb's book of life. It's not just any book of life, but it's the Lamb's book of life, that we are His we're chosen by him. So we've got two books so far. We've got the Book of Remembrance and the Book of Life, or the Lamb's Book of Life. It's mentioned several other places in the Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. Help these women who labored with me in the gospel and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the Book of Life. Revelation 22, 19. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Psalm 69, 28. Let them be blotted out of the book of life and not be wit written with the righteous. So the book of life contains the names of the righteous, and we see the righteous described there in Philippians as those who labored with Paul, those who were fellow workers with him. So their good works are being God's good works are being manifested through them, unless their names are written in the book of life. Now in the Revelation 22 and the Psalm 69, it says that if they're not following, he'll take away his part from the book of life or blot them out of the book of life. Now in order for something to be taken out of a book or to be blotted out of a book, where did it have to be before? It had to be in the book. All right, so... One, it's talking about people whose one time their names were in. Like again, those, those grumblers, grumblers in the first verses we were looking at. They might have one time really been serving the Lord. Or because of their profession, their name gets put into the book of life, but it's not fulfilled. They don't live it out. They don't let God take full control of their lives. Their motives, their hearts aren't right with the Lord. And thus, their names get taken out or blotted out, taken away from or blotted out of the book of life. So again, we have a judgment seen taking place regarding the books. Revelation 13, verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship the beast, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And Revelation 20, 15. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So again, we have two books so far. We have the book of life, which is the righteous, and the righteous won't be following the beast, worshiping the beast, but everybody else will. 
and those who have their names written in the Book of Life will not be cast into the lake of fire. Those who do not will be. So we have the Book of Life, and we have the Book of Remembrance, among the books that were opened. But there are more books that will come up in the judgment scene. Revelation 11, verse 15, The seventh angel sounded, the nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, those who fear your name, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. In Revelation 12, 12, uh, 22, 12, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give everyone according to his work. So just as we saw before, judged on the work, he comes and he gives his reward according to everyone's work. What are the rewards? What does the Bible describe as the rewards that he gives out when he comes, when he returns? What are the rewards? Okay, what goes along with the crowns? What is the reward? Eternal life. Very good. So eternal life is one. What's the other reward? That goes along with eternal life, right? Heaven is a part of eternal life. You get the crown, you go to eternal life. What's the other reward? Let me reword it. What's the other wage? The wages of sin or the rewards of sin is death. But the gift or reward of God is the eternal life through Yeshua the Messiah. Those are the two rewards he comes with. Again, then you will discern between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not serve God. Right? Then the time of the dead that they should be judged. Right? And then I saw him seated on his throne, and the dead were brought before him. Right? So the same theme all throughout these verses of God's judgment scene and him separating the wheat tares, the righteous, wicked, and judged based on their works, getting the rewards based on allowing God to work through them. It is God who worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's a whole lot different than us trying to work out and work good work, bring about good works. Because our good works, all our good works are filthy rags. But God's good works done through us bring him honor and glory and praise. Again, it makes all the difference in the world. So he's coming and he's coming with his rewards. So what tense is that? And he writes this in Revelation 22, Behold, I am coming. Future tense. And the seventh angel sounded at the very end, the last, at the end, he comes and nations are angry, but it's the time of the dead at the end, when they will be judged. God will bring up the names of the dead at the end, and they shall be judged, and that is when they receive the rewards, when he comes. Eternal life or death. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah, that everyone may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. 
Again, so the judgment, several different texts, several different books of the Bible, the judgment being based on whether or not we allowed God to live out of us, whether we surrendered all and gave ourselves to him so that he can use us for his honor and glory. And that takes faith, it takes belief, that opens the door for him to be able to do that. But it's testified and proven by the things done in the body. Not just what we think in our head, not just what we believe in our head, because right? the devil believes and he's not going to be in heaven. He believes there's a God, but he doesn't serve God. He believes there's a God, but he doesn't allow him to be Lord. And there's a big difference between God just being God and God being Lord God in our lives. And so we will all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah. Both the good and the wicked will appear before the judgment seat of the Messiah. Right? Even if you have a straight-A student in school, right? Straight-A. Always gets 100% on every test this person's ever taken. Always has. All throughout, kinder, from kindergarten on, this kid is just a genius. Always gets an A on everything. It's a senior year, and past all his other classes, one class left, takes the final exam. Does the teacher need to grade the exam? Yeah, he still needs to grade the exam. <laughs> so even the righteous, even the smart, even the, still have to have the test graded to prove, to testify, yes, they got 100 again. And so God will judge the righteous and he will say they were righteous. Look, here's the record. They surrendered their hearts to me. They turned over the sins. They were paid for at Calvary. They were dumped in the tomb. They were removed from them. They were born anew, filled with the Holy Spirit. A new life was created in them. And they walked in that newness of life. And these were the good deeds that I, God, was able to do through them. So it'll testify. He'll testify that in the judgment. Or the things, whether good or bad, in what they had done, and that's what'll testify in the judgment. So everyone will appear before the judgment seat of Messiah, as we read. The court was seated, and the books were opened. So we've looked at two books so far, the Book of Life and the Book of Remembrance. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Very similar to the text we just read. The Bible's in complete harmony with itself, complete agreement with itself, rightly understood, rightly put together. So we're called to fear God. We read that in the Malachi text. Those who fear God have a book of names written in the book of remembrance. Fear God, keep his commandments, right? So be obedient, right? So believing the Lord and following the Lord, uh, uh, believing in the Lord and faith in the Lord does not do away with commandments. It goes in harmony with commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. Faith and works together, all in harmony together. For this is the whole duty of man. That's the whole thing. Sanctification and justification working together. Grace and truth coming together. For God shall bring every work, and we've seen this in several verses, into judgment, the judgment theme. Secret thing, whether good, we saw the good, the book of remembrance of those who've done good, those who fear the Lord, and whether it be evil. So there's another book, the book of the evil, the book of bad deeds. So we have the Book of Life, those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, those who served him, those who 
given their lives to him, those who've allowed the Holy Spirit to work in them and through them. The book of remembrance, the good deeds that God has done through us, fearing his name, communicating with one another, communing with one another, worshiping together, encouraging one another, praying for one another, and the book of evil, of disobedience, of rebellion. Put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? Psalm 56, verse 8. So another book, a book of our tears. So every disappointment you've gone through, every heartache that you've experienced, every rejection, every abuse, every neglect, every broken promises that have been done to you, every heartache, every broken relationship, every time we've cried, God cries with us. He is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And he puts them in his bottle. He stores them up. He keeps them secure and in a safe, in a safe place. He's storing up our tears. He loves us. He's compassionate to us. And he writes it in his book. He doesn't forget. He keeps a journal of your feelings. There's no smile. There's no joy. There's no happiness that we experience that he doesn't experience with us. And likewise, there's no sadness, no tears, no hurt, no pain that he doesn't experience with you. And he holds it dear and precious to his heart. He stores it up and he writes it in the book. So a book of tears, we can call it. It's another book that he'll bring into the judgment. It's not for naught. He hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't forsaken us. He lets us go through. I mean, everybody has gone through. All who live godly in Yeshua the Messiah will suffer persecution. Moses experienced a very hard life. David received a very hard life. Yeshua himself was killed. All the disciples were either attempted to be murdered or murdered. He allows us to suffer so we can enter into his suffering we can know his pain and so that it can burn off and cleanse us and separate us from the things of this world and many other reasons as well but he's got a plan he's got a purpose and all of that will come out in the judgment we will understand and we will know and he will show us how those tears how those disappointments how those horrendous acts against us have brought us to heaven helped shape our character Help draw us closer to God. Help us make us more dependent on Him. Less trusting of man and humanity and ourselves. How we've been able to find comfort in Him. You'll see how each one molded and made us. How each one we were able to overcome and then be used by Him in comforting others. I'll reveal all this. It'll all be there. The books will be open for all to see, for all the heavenly angels to see. The judgment is opening of the books is not for God. Maybe those among those tens of tens of thousands, not only the dead, but maybe all the angels and all the beings and all the 
planets in the universe that God has created, for them to look down, I mean, before they allow us in, don't you think they should do a background check? Don't you think they should do a credit check, right? I mean, if you were renting a room in your house, wouldn't you want to know about the person who's planning on moving in? Are they a mass murderer? Are they a rapist? <laughs> Are they a pedophile? I need to know some things here. How's their credit rating? Right? Have they paid their rent in time? Are they, they ever defaulted in the past? Do they have a criminal record? You need to know that. So don't all the heavenly beings that have not fallen, don't they have a right before we're allowed into heaven to see the books? To see the book of remembrance, to see the book of evil, to see the book of life, to see the book of tears, to see what we've experienced? I think so. God is very open. Let us come, let us reason together. He's a very open God. It's a very open judgment scene that he allows. And at that time, he will explain to us why the hurts, why the pains, why the disease, why the death, why the loss. He will show it all. And we'll look back and we'll say, if it took all those things to get me here and to get these others who've come with me, then it was well worth it. And I wouldn't change a thing. The Book of Tears is written into his books. Matthew 11, verse 23, Capernaum, if the mighty works were done in you, had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. This is a very interesting text and very important text. And there's a couple others that basically say the same thing where he talks about other cities and the Queen of Sheba and others. It shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for Capernaum. More tolerable in the judgment. Well, that means that the judgment has a toleration scale. That there's a graded on a, on a curve based on various factors. Well, what were the factors, the difference between Sodom and Capernaum? Well, Capernaum had Yeshua coming there, teaching there, doing miracles there, preaching there, had disciples there, and many people from Capernaum came to the Lord. Peter was from there. He came to the Lord. Andrew was from there. He came to the Lord. Talks about the ruler of the synagogue coming and accepting Yeshua as the Messiah from there. It talks about a centurion coming and accepting the Messiah from there. And no doubt others. Peter's mother-in-law, no doubt others. So God did mighty works and many people came to the Lord. But with all the light that they had, all the evidence they had, every single person should have come to the Lord. And obviously they didn't. Now what did Sodom have? Sodom had Lot. What good is that? <laughs> you know, not much, right? Ned Abraham up in the hills. So in the judgment, now did God already judge Sodom, in a sense? Yeah, he wiped it out with, as far as an earthly judgment, he wiped it out with fire, right? It doesn't, no longer exists. Uh, we can go there, and we have gone there. Our tour groups go there, and we pick up the, the ash, and we 
pick up the sulfur balls that God rained down and caused the fire, and we see it, we take a match, we take a match and we burn the sulfur ball, lights right up. When you ever see a rock light up on fire when you take a match to it? So it's, the remains are still there, we can see it, God's evidence of... And it smells like sulfur, right? Yeah, we see and smell the evidence that God, uh, that God did what he said he did. But as far as what tense is this in? I say to you that it shall be more tolerable. What tense is that? Future tense. The judgment for Sodom, the ultimate judgment for Sodom, had not taken place yet. So there might be some children, or, or when God opens all the books and weighs it out on this tolerance scale, there may be people from Sodom and Gomorrah that'll be in heaven. Maybe. Maybe not. But at least it'll be more tolerable in the judgment for Sodom than for Capernaum because of the amount of light that Capernaum had and the very little bit of light that Sodom had available to it. God is merciful. God is loving. He doesn't want any should perish. He wants everyone to be in heaven that he can get in there. But again, he's not going to let any in there that are going to ruin it. And just one sin, Adam and Eve, they had to get kicked out. So any one sin would destroy all of heaven. So he's got a high standard, but he's still wanting all to be able to... Get in there. So he's pulling for us. Even pulling for Sodom. And so who had more light? Sodom, more revealed to him, more truth. Sodom or Capernaum? Capernaum. Who had more light, more revealed to them, more shown to them? Capernaum or the United States? You and me. Or anyone else anywhere in this that has available to them. Not all places in the world have it available to them, but those that have the Bible available to them. So it will be more tolerable in the day of judgment for Capernaum than it will be for you and me because of all the light we have available to us, all the privileges we have available to us. And with the more privileges come the more benefits. The ability to live and know and follow all that God has given to us. And to experience that. And more promises and more people's experiences that we can hold fast on. What Paul did, what Yeshua did, what Moses did, what God did through them. As we see how God has worked in the past, helps us for the future. And so we have all that privileges. But then also comes a higher accountability in the judgment. With that tolerant scale. So we will have to live up to a higher accountability, again, by God's grace. God is able to do all things through us. To create us and make us holy as he is holy. Be perfect as Yeshua was perfect. That's what he told us. Be perfect as I am perfect. He's able to raise us up by his power and by his grace. To live fully and completely for him. So the judgment here is still in the future, or at least when Yeshua said this. For the time when he comes, the day that he comes, but there has to be a judgment that takes place before he comes. Right, again, the school analogy, the final grade, the senior year, before the teacher can give out the, the before the school can give out the diplomas, before the school can give the final grade, before the teachers can give the final grade to the students, what do they have to do? 
they have to grade the tests. <laughs> right. They have to give them the grade. Right. So there has to be a judging that takes place first before they can give the final grade. Even if they were a student all the way along, that still that final test still has to be graded before they get their final grade. And so it has to happen before the graduation. And so before he comes and judges, God has to have this judgment scene. Again, before the angels open the doors and open the gates and say, come on in, before they come and gather us up and take us to, to the mansions he's preparing for us, they have a right to know beforehand. So there's a judgment that takes place prior to his coming, and I believe we're living in that time of judgment right now. And we see that in the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur theme. Rosh Hashanah takes place 10 days before Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the final day of judgment. Rosh Hashanah starts it. So the books are opened on Rosh Hashanah, God goes over the books, and then it closes, the door closes on Yom Kippur. The books are sealed on Yom Kippur. So that's the symbolism of this judgment, of this time of awe, these 10 days of awe between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, of get ready, this is the time, this is the last time to get ready, this is the last opportunity to get ready, because the judgment is seated, the court is seated, and, and God is looking over the records. And then when he's done, he's able to come. The books can be closed, and he's able to come. And so now the message is going forth. The shofars are being blasted. The trumpets are being sounded. The message is going forth, or it should go forth through us to all the world. And then the end can come. And so I believe we're living in this time that was after Yeshua's day, but before he comes. And I believe we're living in these last days, this judgment time. Psalm 87, verse 6. The Lord will record when he registers the people, this one was born there. So he's recording it. He's registering it, right? So another book, a registry. He's recording it. He's writing it in a book. The Lord is writing, this one was born there. So similar to what we just read, whether they were born in Capernaum or whether they were born in Sodom. Whether they were born to a godly family or born to a not godly family. Whether they were born in the United States where there's religious freedom and Bibles available everywhere or whether they were born in North Korea where it's outlawed. God takes all that into the judgment as well. And that again is his mercy scale. And so another book is a record or a registry of where we were born and under what conditions. That again just shows the love of God. And he takes all these things into consideration in this judgment scene. God is, through these verses, is pulling back the curtain and letting us see what's really going on in the background. Right? So outwardly on the stage, oh, it looks like the wicked are prospering. But behind the scenes, God is still counting and judging and deciding. And again, not for himself because he knows all things, but for transparency, for audit, <laughs> for our sake and for all the universe, to be able to see the record. Because we would want to see it as well when we get there. We want to see why is so-and-so here? Why isn't so-and-so here? And so he has these records and he reveals it all for all of us to see. But he takes into account where we were born and under what conditions. Again, the mercy of the Lord, the love of God. It's not so black and white, the judgment. So it's not for us to say who's going to be in heaven and who's not going to be in heaven. When God takes all these things into consideration, it's not for you and me to look and judge anyone else, condemn anyone else. 
but we can know for ourselves whether or not we're serving him whether or not we're living for him whether we're rejoicing in the Lord always and obeying him by his power and his strength or going grudgingly through the motions or whether in straight out open rebellion so the books are seated the books are opened and the judgment takes place and name by name is called and the name is called and a person comes before the throne not the person themselves but their record comes the books are come the time of the dead that they should be judged and they're brought before the throne or at least their record and so this is a little bit of what I think happens in accordance with these texts we've read so the books are open and the recording angel reads off let's say from the green book where they were born wonder what circumstances were they born oh, okay born to a godly family it's taught the things of the Lord in a culture that had congregate free free freedom of worship congregations were able to serve him and he was raised in a congregation that had classes for him and taught him he went to a religious school had instruction freedom of that had Bible on his phone and in his house and on his tablet and lots of privileges where he was born And the Book of Tears, they had some hardships in life, some difficulties in life. There's some problems. Oh yeah, I remember that. Oh boy, that was tough. Oh boy, I remember when that happened. And the angels were reading off the things that happened in the person's life and the various different tears. The experience and everybody hears it and God's heart is moved and it's taken into consideration. And the good deeds that this person has done in his life. Oh boy. Even as a young teenager, he was involved in health groups and ministry groups and helpful groups and doing things and sharing literature and going. And even as an adult, he visited people in nursing homes and hospice and involved in various different ministries, helped with the roof at the congregation and actively involved and greeting and brought food and cleaned up and taught sometimes and helped out drove people back and forth to synagogue and oh, lots of different things oh this guy oh boy witness to a person at work and lots of great great deeds wow this is just book full of good deeds wow this guy has a book of remembrance almost like none other terrific and then the book of bad deeds well not much here he was pretty good oh but there's a couple of things in here a few things in here wow these are things that uh, no one else knew about in his life even his spouse didn't know about this some of these things boy yep and unfortunately that it's recorded here of 
when he was convicted on those things and when he was attending and there was a sermon on that topic and he even taught a Bible study about the very thing he was doing. He continued doing it. He justified it and excused it away. Pointed to all his good things and ignored this area, a couple of areas. And the ancient old days will have to say, I'm sorry. I can't let that in here. A little bit of leaven will leaven the whole loaf. A little bit of sin will permeate all of heaven. That stain will destroy everything. I had to kick Adam and Eve out for one thing. I had to kick out my covering angel. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't let you in with that on your record. Depart from me, I never knew you. And he'll be taken away. And then another name will come forward. And he will come forth. And he will stand there before the judgment seat. And he will quote Daniel 7, verse 13. I saw the night, in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And he calls forth, I want my lawyer. I want my advocate to stand here with me when my record books are opened and read. And so Yeshua, the Son of Man, comes and stands before the court, stands with this person. And the books are opened. And where he was born, under what circumstance, oh boy, tough, tough life. Unwed mother, never saw his father, poor conditions, abused by a relative, in a country where there was no religious freedom, didn't have the gospel presented to him, the angels reading it off. God interrupts, well, wait a second, didn't I send uh, some missionaries there? Well, yeah, you did, but they didn't go. <laughs> they never went there. Didn't I commission someone to send some literature there? Yeah, yeah, you did, but they, they, they never sent it. And they spent the money on something else. They, they, they wanted uh, new pews in their congregation, and so they didn't. They didn't go and spend that money for those in need, those who don't know the Lord. And God said, well, we'll get to their name, and when their name comes up, we're going to look at that. <laughs> but for this poor fellow, growing up under those circumstances, he didn't have the gospel presented to him. Didn't have it taught to him. Where he was born, didn't have those opportunities in his book of tears. Oh, my, many, many tears, many hardships. Many difficulties, many problems, many disappointments, many times rejected, misunderstood, 
taught lies, misled, confused, let down, cheated, taken advantage of. I had a hard life. The Lord nodding there and saying, I remember that. I remember that time. I remember that time too. That was a hard time. But I was pulling for him. I was there. I sent my angel to help him through that. I remember that car accident? Hey, you almost died. Good thing I was there. Good thing attending angel was there. Difficult time. Well, let's look at the things that he did in his life that were that were good. Well, not too many good things. <laughs> I did a couple good things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he gave his lunch to someone one time. And, oh, yeah. He, he helped out a neighbor cut his grass one time. Yeah, a couple things. Yeah, he did a couple good things. That's nice. Oh, but his record of sins. Oh, the book of evil. Boy, what a big book of evil. Oh, this guy, he was in trouble from youth. Fighting with his siblings. Spit at his mother. Hit his mother. Oh, my. Delinquent in school. Quit classes. Purposely cheated on tests. Dropped out. Got involved with drugs at a young age. Promiscuous. Sex outside of marriage. Pornography. I got married, but then committed adultery. Theft. Perjury. Stolen from the company, embezzled. Assisted in a murder. Committed murder. Oh, some horrible, horrible things. Boy, that is some record. We're not even done. But then Yeshua says, oh, wait, wait a second. Take a closer look at this book. And you'll notice that all the things you read are covered in red. They all have my covering of my blood upon them. Every line in that book, every page in that book is soaked in my blood. He has confessed those sins. He's acknowledged those wrongs. I have taken them. I have paid them. I have paid for them. They are not his. They are mine. That book does not belong to him. That book belongs to me. Unless the attending angel hands it over to Yeshua. Yeshua takes it and casts it away. And the Ancient of Days says, let his name remain in the book of life. Come and enter in to the joy of the Lord. Open the gates wide, and the righteous shall come in, and all of heaven 
rejoices. The sound of the trumpet is sounded. And he enters in. Come, my blessed. Here is the mansions I've prepared for you. It's a day of atonement. Day of God making us at one with him. The final day of judgment. Leviticus verse 16, chapter 16, verse 30, talks about this Yom Kippur, the day of judgment. For on that day, again that phrase, on that day, that ultimate day, that last day, but here in context, talking about Yom Kippur, which again is that day, the priest, the Kohenim, shall make atonement for you to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You shall call his name Yeshua, for he shall save them from their sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's this process, this judgment, we can enter into the judgment now. We can pray and allow God to, as David said, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Let him cleanse our hearts and minds now. Let him take out the heart of stone. Let him take out the carnal nature and bury it away. Be crucified with Yeshua. Nevertheless, live not by our own self, but by him living in us. In the life we now live, we live by faith. And the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Cleansed, transformed, born anew, all things new. Enter into that process, that cleansing process. So when that judgment day happens, we'll be found in him. On to Daniel chapter 8, the chapter right after we saw this judgment scene, chapter 7, Daniel 7, and Daniel 8. On to 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. That cleansing, that day of atonement, the cleansing. As Leviticus said on Yom Kippur, the cleansing takes place. And so a cleansing of the heavenly sanctuary, of the records, the record books, will take place. What happens in our hearts, recorded in heaven. Revelation 3, 5, he who overcomes shall be clothed with white garments. On Yom Kippur, we wear white, symbolic of God's purity, of God's cleansing, that the cleansing has taken place between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Any final that needs to be done, it's cleansed and we're dressed in white. And when the temple was standing, the Kohen Gadol dressed just in white, not with the Urim and the Thurim, not with the breastplate, not with the colors that he was given, just in white. God clothes us. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will blot out, and I will not <laughs> blot out his name from the book of life. He'll keep it there. And if he says he won't blot it out, that means, again, it had to be read, it had to be recorded, it had to be judged to decide who's going to get blotted out and who's not. But those who have been cleansed, those who've been covered in his righteousness will have their names kept in and not blotted out of the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world.
And this picture, as beautiful and moving as it is, is not exactly accurate. And maybe for modesty's sake, they painted it that way, but if we have any artists here, maybe you could do a better job. So you can picture it with Yeshua covering the person, maybe a side view. <laughs> and so he's covering the person, and beside the person, instead of wearing the filthy garments, as it says in Zechariah, I think it's chapter 3, take away the filthy garments and put new clothes on him. A pile of filthy garments, stained and ripped, laying beside him. And a bucket of water, and soapy water. And a stream of muddy water flowing away from him, down a drain, and removed from him. That he's been washed, that he's been cleansed, that the sins have been removed. And then clothed with God's garments. As Adam and Eve were clothed with the animal skins, the righteousness of the Messiah covering us. Sins washed away, all things made new. We can experience that today. So we can stand before the Lord as his bride, virgin bride, prepared for the wedding feast. And if that's your desire, then in the moment when we pray, you can ask the Lord if there's any sins in your life, if you know of any sins, if there's anything you know, now is the time to give it over, to confess it, let it go before you to judgment, let God destroy it, let him bury it away, let him crucify it, let it be removed from you, and let him replace it with his righteousness. Secondly, if you're willing, if nothing is coming to mind of sin, particularly open, rebellious, known, cherished sin, then Ask God to reveal it. Show me. Open my books. Show me if there's anything there that needs to be confessed. Show me if there's anything there that needs to be overcome. Search me and try me. Third, if you've been like that first group, you've been, maybe one time you were living righteously, but now you're living legalistically. And again, the only difference between a righteous and legalist, they look the same outwardly. Maybe both obeying exactly the same. But the righteous is doing it cheerfully by God's power and the wicked are doing it by their own power and thus are mournful and miserable. And so if your life has become a miserable godly experience, if continually looking at what you've given up for the Lord, what you don't have, what you could have, what you should have, what others have, what your sibling has, what someone else has, and you're complaining and bickering that the promises haven't been fulfilled in you yet, then surrender that to the Lord. Because it grieves the Lord. It's harsh words against the Lord. It's lack of faith, lack of believing his promises. And so if that applies to you, then Satan's constantly tempting us with that. So if that applies to you, confess it, give it over to the Lord, let him remove it, let him fill you with faith and trust, to hold fast to his promises, to hold fast the judgment day will come, the wicked will get their just reward. God will win, and God will have us on his side. And so if that applies to you, then the moment when we pray, let God do his mighty work. Fourth, if God has called you, and he's called all of us, but if right now he's convicting you of some area to share his love with someone, some way manifest, don't let it come up in the judgment that there's someone's not there because you neglected to go. 
because you neglected to do, because you neglected to give, because you neglected to share, because you neglected to take the time or the energy to, to let someone know. There will be people not in heaven because we did not do our work. And so God's convicting you of some area where you're lacking and ask him to give you his spirit and his power to follow through and his calling upon your life. If any of those areas apply to you, or maybe you're fearing the Lord and rejoicing in him, and maybe you're encouraged by that he's got a, a bottle of tears, of your tears, that book of remembrance, that you're rejoicing in his mercy, that he judges on a mercy scale, on a, on a tolerance scale, and that's encouraging to you and hopeful to you, and gives you a greater love for God and a greater picture of him, then the moment when we pray, you can praise him and thank him that he is so loving, that he's so kind, that he sent his son to die for us so that no one has any excuse to be lost except their own choice. And so if you want to praise him in a moment, let's pray. We can thank him. So whatever applies to you or maybe some other area God's been speaking to your heart and mind about, let us pray together. Our Lord and our God, Ruler of the universe, we thank you and we praise you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy towards us, to each one of us, to all the world. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for paying the price for us before we were ever born. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. Thank you for first loving us. Thank you for drawing us with your love. Thank you for drawing all the world. Thank you for being lifted up that all people will be drawn on to you. Use us in leading people, pointing to you. Use us as guideposts. Use us as your hands, as your mouth. Forgive us for neglecting that. Thank you for having these books. Thank you for revealing them to us. Thank you for being willing to open to us now. Show us what's on our record. Show us what's there. And cover us and give us the gift of repentance and the gift of confession. Give us the gift of the Holy Spirit and change our lives and transform our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the judgment. Thank you that you want all to be there, but thank you that you won't let those who into heaven that don't want to be there. Thank you for your great love. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.